Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. The Crossing Church exists to see every person restored to God and to the life He created them to live. And we want to walk through this journey with you. If you need help, prayer of any kind, or if you give your life to the Lord today, send us an email at church@thecrossing.cc. We would love to hear from you so a member from our care team will reach out to see how we can walk through life with you. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Enjoy the message. How y'all doing? Oh, you can do better than that. How you doing? There you go. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Well, the first thing I want to do is, uh, you know, we have an amazing senior pastor. And he has an amazing wife. And right now, Dr. Lenny said it, but I need to emphasize. He's finding out about how tightly a two-year-old girl can wrap you around his finger. So I'm 20 years into my grandparenting role, and Madison doesn't wrap me around her finger. She carries me in her pocket. Yeah, and it's a good place to be because it's safe. So um, it's day 43 of 37 days of prayer. So those of you that are new or haven't been here before, we dedicate the first 37 days of the year to honor the Lord, to get into his presence and find out what he wants us to do. So, you know, my normal habit is I need 37 days because that's, that's how I discipline myself. I stop watching regular TV, and, uh, which is hard. And two weeks ago, I stopped eating sugar till last night. But I'm still <laughs> till last night. <laughs> so uh, what I've been reminded is that uh, what's important about being in his presence is yes, we spend a lot of time going after his power, and that's all good. More important than that is that we go after his holiness so that he can trust us with his power, okay? Now, I know uh, every Sunday, somebody asks me how Debbie is doing. Debbie is my incredibly beautiful wife that's sitting right up here on the front row. Yeah. So, and y'all know, I like statistics. I'm a geophysicist by education, so I like numbers. And, uh, you know, the Lord is reminding us that we just need to trust him. You know, we are now almost five years into a diagnosis of stage four breast cancer. By this point, four out of five women have died. Now, I want you to look at the most alive woman on the planet on the planet. As a matter of fact, if you get in, your, in her way when she's doing something, you will be going to the hospital. You will be going to the hospital. And we learned something about three weeks ago. Uh, she uh, let me know that she was having severe pain, like an eight or a nine to her. And you ladies, you know, give, give, give the brothers a break. Uh, she underreports. So she said eight or nine. That really means 13 or 14. That's what that means. The last time this happened, I'd take her to the emergency room. So she called me in there, and we just prayed. And I immediately texted the elders of the house to pray. So she didn't actually get to sleep. That was at 8.30. Pain started getting a little better at 10. At 3 o'clock, she was able to go to sleep. And the next morning when she woke up, no pain whatsoever. So I texted the elders. I said, 
you guys got to see this. The Holy Spirit demonstrated his authority over her body. And, you know, that's good. And as soon as I hit send, the Holy Spirit said, Reggie, that was good, but I got something better. What I did is I demonstrated my power in my house. Because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he said, pain, go. And guess what the pain had to do? Now, this is as fast as it gets with me. (laughs) But the pain was gone. So, I want to start with a joke. How many of y'all like jokes? Okay, so just so you know, there are going to be cats and mice in heaven. So a cat and a mouse get into heaven. And about four days later, the cat, the mouse says, because he runs into St. Peter, he says, St. Peter, heaven is huge and I'm small. I need a way to get around. Would you get me a pair of roller skates? And St. Peter said, you know what? If that gets you around heaven, you can have your roller skates. Roller skates done. Three days later, the cat runs into St. Peter. And St. Peter says, how are you doing? And the cat says, you know what? I did not think that heaven could get better, but yesterday I discovered Meals on Wheels. (laughs) (laughs) Poor little mouse. So, I always like to start with a scripture that reminds us of the power of God's word. So, fellas, if you would put up Hebrews 4, 12, and as uh, Pastor Randy and I like to say, it's from the woman's Bible. You know what that means, right? It could have been said in 10 words. (laughs) So let me stop before I hurt myself. Okay. For the word that God speaks is active, alive, and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the divining line of the breath of life, the soul and the immortal spirit, and of joints and marrow, of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. So let's all invite him to expose and sift and analyze and judge the very thoughts and purposes of our heart. Let's pray. Father, we do just come to you recognizing that your word is truth. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we invite you today to assess, expose, sift, analyze, and judge the very motives and intents of our heart. And we thank you because you're good, that this will be good for us. And we give you all the praise for what you're going to do today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, so I forgot to say, if, if you've been here before, you know that there's a really loud person that sits up here. Okay. That's me. Okay. So what that means is I need participation. So... I know all y'all ain't from where I'm from, but you can act like it. Okay? All right. There you go. Thank you. All right. All right.
My granddaughter, she's so <laughs> big daddy. She calls me big daddy. Yeah, because I'm, I'm big, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to share three things the Lord put on my heart. One about greater intimacy with God and how that affects us as disciples and then how being, how being a disciple affects how we relate to others. And it's timely because it's Valentine's week. So husbands, you've got two days to get it right. And as Dr. Lenny alluded to, loving your wife or loving your husband, it should be every day, right? But Tuesday is special, yes. what I've been told recently. So let's start by talking about HBO, and I don't mean home box office. I'm referring to hear, believe, and obey. So the pastors heard this up at Gateway, and here's the slide. If you want intimacy with God, you need to hear God, you need to believe God, and you need to obey God. Make sense? Okay. The word hear or listen is in over 400 Bible verses. Webster defines hear as to perceive by the ear, to feel an impression of sound. But then he goes on to say the sense is probably to lend the ear, to turn the ear, or incline the ear. There implies that there is some intentionality in listening. Now, when someone's talking to you, Just so so y'all know, I have adult ADD. So if my brain can squirrel, I'm gone. I'm gone. And sometimes my children have to grab my face and say, Daddy, are you there? We have to incline our ear. It's intentional. We don't listen by accident. It's intentional. Make sense? Okay. The word believe is in the Bible about 260 times and about 240 of those are in the New Testament. Webster defines believe as to be persuaded of the truth of something upon the declaration of another or upon evidence furnished by reasons, arguments, and deductions of the mind. When we believe upon the authority of another, we always put confidence in his truthfulness. So believing God is putting confidence and what he has said. Something Pastor Randy said last week, God has given everyone a measure of faith, but in Mark 9, 24, we have the father of the child who was sick, and he cried out with tears to the Lord, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I've realized in my life that my belief system is intimately tied to what I think is truth. God's word is the source of truth. How many of you believe in gravity? And see, because you're not willing to demonstrate that, because if I took you up to that balcony and said, gravity is not real, and I said, let's jump off, how many would jump off? Well, I know there's some kids that would do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Remy, you wouldn't do it, would you? But you think about it. Yeah, you would. Okay, okay. God's word is the source of truth. Webster defines obey as to comply with the commands, orders, or instructions of a superior. God is our superior. 
to do what is commanded or required, or to not do what is prohibited. It's both things. We do the right thing, we don't do the wrong thing. And God is that superior. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, the evidence of love is keeping the commandments. Would you like to take a guess at how many times the phrase, keep my commandments, is in the Bible? Over 70. Over, it's that important. Now, it's interesting to me that the frequency of these words in the Bible decreases from hearing to believing to obeying. Could it mean that obeying is dependent upon lots of believing, which is dependent upon lots and lots of hearing. Scripture says that faith, what we put into action, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. When we hear, believe, and obey more consistently, we experience more of the kingdom of God and have greater intimacy with him. It's the circle. It's the circle. Keep in mind, the hear, believe principle works just as well when you hear something untrue or perverted or unkind. That's why I haven't gone back to full regular TV. My dad used to say, Reggie, you're putting hot and cold running sewage in your mind. If you have your TV on, unless it's somewhere between on direct TV between like 364 and 380, there's a lot of trash. And what is, what's the principle? Trash in, trash out. So the principle works that way too. If you hear trash and you believe trash, you'll do trash. That's the truth. Okay. John 13, 34 says, a new commandment I give you. He's into commanding things. You, ever, you, you get the picture here? A new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also must love one another. And later in John 15, 12 through 14, Jesus says again, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I have commanded you. How many of us realize that Jesus really wants us to be his friend. He really wants us to be his friend. What's the evidence of that friendship? We obey him. We obey him. Who wants to be a friend of Jesus? All right. So, how many of you have paddled a boat, a canoe, or a kayak? Raise your hands. Oh, that's a lot of people. Have you ever paddled against the current? If you are strong and in good shape, you can make progress, but it's pretty difficult. It takes a lot of effort to go a short distance. And if you stop paddling, you start to go backwards. This is what disobedience is like. It's going against the current. Obeying God is like paddling with the current, and you can make significant progress with the current provided by the Holy Spirit. 
So have you been paddling with the current or against the current? The Bible says that God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Now, I've only got two issues in life, my pride and my (laughs) self-centeredness. So, again, he gives grace to the humble. I want to tie this topic to something that Pastor Randy said during 37 days. He talked about how the power plants provide current for the power grid. Now, those of us that were here two years ago, we know that when the power plant stopped working, there was no power in the power grid, right? Well, for us, God, the Holy Spirit, is our power source, and we are his power grid. Perhaps one of the most important things that we can do is to do what Jesus said when he said, go to the upper room, that's your closet, and wait for power to be what? A witness. We're empowered to be a witness. We need to do this every day because we leak. God gives us power to be a witness. According to Webster, to be a witness, you talk about something because you saw it or know it by personal experience. In order to be a witness of Jesus, you need to see him and experience him personally. So Jesus summed up this HBO, here believe, obey, theme in Revelations 3.20 when he said, that this is the Amplified, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears and listens to and heeds my voice and opens the door. Hear, believe, obey. I will come in to him, and I will eat with him or her, and he will eat with me. Now imagine Jesus saying it this way. If you hear me, believe me, and let me in, I'll come in, and we'll do stuff together for the kingdom and for people. If you hear me, Believe me and let me come in. We'll do stuff together for the kingdom. When Jesus gives the great commission in Matthew 28, 20 through 21, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. There's that command language again. Have you guys figured out Jesus is kind of bossy? He kind of bossy. Now, I know you men are thinking, you mean like my wife? (laughs) No. No, she's just bossy in my case because I'm an idiot sometimes. We have got to learn to surrender to the lordship of Jesus because evidence of our friendship is that we obey him, okay? That's what he said. So my next question, he said, go make disciples. My next question is, are you a disciple? So let me define it before you raise your hand. This is the definition I use for me. A fully devoted learning follower of Jesus. Fully devoted learning. Chief Master Sergeant Leroy Beasley Jr., my dad said, Reggie, when you're done learning, you're done. He used to tell me, Reggie, I'd be on my way out the door, and he would say, Reggie, what do you plan to do to be more effective and efficient today? He asked me that every, every day, every day. 
So, some days I'm a pretty good disciple. Some days I stink. But every day I want to get better. So now, are you a disciple? It's not about perfection. It's about do you want to get better? Don't be afraid. I'm not going to take a picture and put it on social media. I mean, people are not going to know that you fessed up that you want to be a disciple. But listen to this. The word Christian is used in the Bible three times. It's not recorded in scripture that Jesus ever used that word. It was originally thought to be a derogatory term for Christ followers used in Antioch about seven years after Pentecost. In contrast, the word disciple is used in the Bible 270 times. If you are a disciple, then Jesus said in John 13, 35, the way that the world will know that you are my disciple is the way you love one another. It's not the way you preach, not the way you sing, not the way you give, although those are all things that can fit underneath love. It's the way that you love one another. So today, in honor of Valentine's Week, I'd like to look, take a look at getting a little bit better in this area of relationships because we're disciples. So here's our central scripture for today. Ephesians 4, 24, 31, and 32. Fellas, if you put that up. Now, if you did not wear your steer-toed boots today, you, you, this, this could cause some damage to your toes because <laughs> sometimes the word does that. So I'm going to read it, and I want you just to take it in. Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever, ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others as is fitting, fitting to the need and the occasion. It's got to be honest, open, honorable, and timely. Fitting to the need and the occasion. I'm going to leave that one alone. That it may be a blessing and give grace, God's favor to those who hear it. Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper, and resentment, anger, animosity, and quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, and slander, evil speaking, blasphemous, abusive language be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind. Here and there the word gossip. And become, become useful and helpful and kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another, readily and freely as God in Christ forgave you. This is my favorite scripture on the link between relationships and communication. And there are two important things we can learn from the scripture. First, we should carefully discipline our tongue and by extension our fingers because we text and we post. Paul says, let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others as is fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be a blessing and give grace. 
God's favor to those who hear it. This is a very high standard. Sounds almost Christ-like. Sounds almost Christ-like. James says in the third chapter, James, he says, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of poison. We can't tame it, but with the Holy Spirit's help, we can get much better. What we say matters. Sometimes we just need to bite our tongue, not say anything, not write that email, not send that text, or respond to the post. It is true what mama says. If you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say nothing. Sometimes silence is golden. Once you've said something, it's out there. How much better to avoid saying anything you cannot say if you cannot say something that's edifying. Our goal is to help those who are listening to us and build them up. Listen to that. Our goal, every one of you has influence. Do you know that? Every one of you have influence. Influence, the other word for influence is people are looking to you to lead. Now, you may not know it, but they are listening to what you're saying, and they're watching how you're behaving. We're disciples. We influence and we lead. A word about gossip. It emits a threefold poison. It injures the teller, the hearer, and the person being gossiped about. The reputations of God's people should be precious in our sight because every one of us bear the image of God. And we should not be helping our enemy dishonor the church, the body of Christ, and the name of the Lord. Gossip, slander, unloving and unhelpful criticism, and thoughtless conversation do great harm. Words have power to destroy reputations, to discourage and to break the hearts of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Every single one of us can remember something that somebody that loved God said to us, and it hurt. It hurt. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. So here's the second thing we learn. Turn from being a fighter to being a reconciler. We read in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that since we've been reconciled to God through Christ, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. If you've been reconciled to Christ, you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That means that you are positioned and empowered to live your life in a way that draws people to you. I was talking to Pastor Joe this morning, and I asked him how he was. And he said, highly favored. You know what I said? I said, you're highly flavored (laughs) because you taste good. We want to taste good. Amen? We want to taste good. So Paul summarizes these combative types of attitudes and actions. This is his list. Bitterness, indignation, wrath, passion, rage, bad temper. Does this sound like our culture? 
resentment, anger, animosity, quarreling. So now, I don't think she would mind me saying this, but when Debbie was a little girl, her grandfather said, you're going to be a lawyer. You know what that means? I lose a lot of arguments. <laughs> yeah, think about that for just a second. Okay. Brawling, camera, conten- clamor, contention, and slander, evil speaking, abusive, or blasphemous language. And then he summarizes what reconciling attitudes and actions look like. He says, become. If you've been born again, you are a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away and everything is made brand new. Become useful and helpful and kind to one another, tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, lovinghearted, forgiving one another readily and freely as God in Christ forgave you. We should be seeking to move from the one fighting and brawling to the one forgiving and loving. Now, this does not mean that you jump back into a relationship with a person that has caused you damage. To have a restored relationship, there needs to be sincere elements of four things. There needs to be repentance. Repentance means I say what I did wrong and I make a commitment to turn away from it. That's repentance. A lot of people say, I'm sorry. That, that'll mean Jack. That'll mean Jack. I repent. That's the biblical word. I turn away from this behavior that's hurting you to this behavior that's going to bless you. Then there's a need for forgiveness. I mean, we're commanded to forgive. He said, if you don't forgive, daddy ain't going to forgive you. I mean, that scares the, some of the pigment off my skin. Then there's restitution. You know what restitution is? You stole something, you need to pay it back. And we think about money or a car or something like that. Let me tell you something else. Someone's reputation. Because you said something, you need to go to the person that you said it to and tell them that you were lying or that you was wrong and see that that restored. Restitution is important. And the final thing is reconciliation. Reconciliation is we need to actually talk about what actually happened here. It's what's the root cause of why we're fighting, why we're arguing, why we're in disagreement. Because it might be, because I like the toilet paper over the top, not around the bottom. <laughs> we, need, we need to reconcile. And it's a conversation. And it happens on both sides. So here's a test for each of us. Is our conversation characterized by negativity, criticism, or combativeness, or is our conversation kind, understanding, tender-hearted, and do we build up and encourage? Does the way we speak bring grace to others? Now, here's the test. I want to take a drink because I want you on the edge of your seats. If you were to ask your family and people close to you these questions, what would they say? What would they say? Sure it's quiet up in this church. (laughs) Let's look for opportunities to encourage others and let it become a more consistent habit. Now, 
Let me remind everybody, I know that, you know, my dad said even a broken clock is right twice a day. So even, you know, even bad acting people can have a good day. And even very, very, very good people can have a bad day, right? We want, it, we want this to become a more consistent habit wherever you are. So how can we nurture and develop more graceful speech and behavior in others? So I want some participation because at the end of the service, you know, I'm going to give you an opportunity to participate in something, okay? Two questions. Who here has perfect relationships with the people around you? If you do, raise your hand. Perfect relationships. Okay, we got one in the corner. Anybody else? And that's usually the way it is. The only perfect relationship that we know about is the one that Jesus has toward us, right? He's perfect. Now, this could be husband, wife, parent, child, sibling to sibling. My children are sitting over here. (laughs) Friend, friend, boss, worker. Now, how many of you would like to improve your relationships? Raise your hand. Now, if you don't raise your hand, run. (laughs) If you're sitting next to your wife, run. So what I see is everybody raising their hand. Everybody wants to improve their relationship, okay? So for the purposes of today, I'd like to propose that we relate in four, two, four different things. We relate to the creator, God. We relate to the creation, what he has put here for us to enjoy. We relate to ourselves, and we relate to others. That's number four. So I want to focus on number four today since it's Valentine's week, and we're going to get better at relating to each other. Do I have your commitment? Okay, this, is, this, this means raise your hand if you're in agreement. If you're not in agreement, slap the person beside you. No, I'm just, okay, never mind, never mind, okay. So here's the acrostic, relate, R-E-L-A-T-E. Now you notice on your seat, there's a piece of paper that has that on there, because when you leave, I want you to take it with you, because uh, what you start today, you're going to need more of today and tomorrow and the day after that to actually build a consistent pattern of getting better. So here's the R. Repent of any poor attitude that you have toward the other person. Ask the Holy Spirit to dig up the buried stuff, the hurt, any disappointment, anger, an offense or misunderstanding, and ask the Holy Spirit to bring healing to you. Sometimes the way people treat us isn't actually about how they feel about us. It may be because of how they feel about themselves or the hidden things that they may be struggling with. Step one, repent, okay? Does anybody in this room have an attitude toward anybody else? And do not nudge your wife or your husband. Do not put a headlock on your child. Okay, repent of any poor attitude. Repent. E, express your appreciation. Have an attitude of gratitude for the fact that you've been forgiven for what God has done for you. 
Let that drive the motivation to forgive the other person before you interact with them. This week, a young man asked me why I was so joyful. I said, because of the goodness of God, all my friends, all my sins are forgiven, including, honey, the ones I might do this afternoon and for the future. He loves me unconditionally. And that makes me joy. When you get a hold of the fact that the guy who created the universe loves you, there's nothing you can do to mess up his love. Now, you can mess up your life, and you can mess up somebody else's life, but you can't mess up his love. The L, learn what God has said about the situation. Explore the scriptures. In John 8, 31 through 32, so Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in him, if you abided by word, hold fast to my teachings and live in accordance with them. Listen to that. If you abided my word, hold fast to my teachings and live in accordance with them, you are truly my disciples. There's that word again. And you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You might also consider getting wise counsel. Now, let me describe wise counsel. Wise biblical counsel. Because there's a whole lot of stuff out there right now that dresses itself up as wise. Let me tell you what wisdom is. Wisdom is consistently, consistently living a godly life. Go to people who are consistently living a godly life, okay? The A, agree and align with what God has said and refuse to become discouraged or to come into agreement with the way our society's culture tries to dictate how we are supposed to relate. I mean, it's so bizarre right now about how society is telling the church that we're intolerant when we're trying to love people the way that God loves us. This is what Romans 12.2 says. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs. This was written 2,000 years ago. God was thinking about this weird stuff 2,000 years ago. But be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. It comes with a transformed mind. And that comes from hearing. And that leads to believing, which means to obeying, which means to intimacy with God, which leads to an incredible witness for people. You smell good, and like Pastor Joe, you taste good. You can know what God has said and choose not to agree with it and not access any of the power that is represented in the principle of agreement. Remember when we agree with him, Romans 8, 31 says, if God be for you, who can be against you? This is what I used to tell our kids. So we have a, well, uh, we have a blended family. So Debbie and I were single parents. 
I had two little boys for six years, and she had that beautiful, my princess, for 12 years. And when we came together, Lord have mercy. Lord, we had some things we needed to work out. We needed to get into agreement, right? We needed to be a two-headed monster. We needed to convince our children that we were in this together. And it wasn't actually until I made that decision that things got better. We need to get in agreement with what God has said. Because as I told my kids after this happened, Romans 8.31, Reggie's version, if God and Debbie are for me, I don't give a rip about you. <laughs> but they've been healed. They've had counseling. <laughs> okay. The T is take action. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you what you need and release the power to make the investment in the other person. Even if it's scary or difficult or you just don't feel like it, do it anyways. The Holy Spirit is the power source. We are the power grid, and his gifts are always other-minded. The Holy Spirit is empowering us to reach out to people, to be ministers of reconciliation, to be his witness. Let's demonstrate our faith by our works. And E, the final letter, embrace, enjoy the reality that God is responsible for the outcome as we relate in the kingdom, in a kingdom way guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, just this is fresh for me because yesterday, y'all know Dr. Jim comes and does counseling. And I was sitting in my office and I didn't realize that I needed counseling. <laughs> so he knocked on the door. He said, hey, Reggie, can I share something with you? And I said, yes. And I thought he was going to give me some juicy stuff on somebody. He said, no, we need to talk about you. And I said, oops, oops. He said, uh, he said, Reggie, do you realize that uh, when you say you're going to call me the next day, a day could go by, a week could go by, a month could go by, <laughs> two months can go by. He said, do you know how often you do that? He did it very lovingly. I was able to receive it. And he said, uh, why, why do you think you do that? And I said, well, you know, you, when you take the word rationalize and you slow it down, it's a rational lie. So I started rationalizing. I said, well, Dr. Jim, you know, I'm a busy man. I'm a busy man. He said, no, that's not it. That's not it. And a few minutes later, we got to the core of the issue. I take responsibility for how other people are feeling. And until I'm ready to deal with that, I'm not going to make the call. I'm not responsible for how they feel. I'm responsible to be a witness for Jesus Christ. I'm not, I'm not responsible for Debbie's happiness. I am responsible for being the best husband on the planet, though. <laughs> and then she can decide if she's happy with that. <laughs> right? Embrace, enjoy the reality that God is responsible for the outcomes as we relate to the, in a kingdom way guided by the Holy Spirit. So, there is no formula for relating in a godly way that starts with, if they would only. Our relating cannot start with what the other person does or does not do. We need to steward our time, our thoughts, our attitudes, our words, our deeds, and our energy in relationships. 
This is what Romans 8, 12, 8, Romans 12, 18 says. It's not in the scriptures. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men, and yes, that means women too. As much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That means the, one that, the ones that don't look like you, the ones that don't talk like you, they don't believe like you, and they don't smell like me because I smell good. All men, as much as it depends on you. We used to tell our kids when they were growing up, who's in charge of you? And you know, there are these parents that go, well, of course I'm in charge of my kid. No, we wanted our kids to teach, learn personal responsibility. You're in charge of you. We're in charge of the consequences. <laughs> You're in charge of you. Hallelujah. And they've forgiven us. So here's the analogy. Y'all know what this is? This is hand sanitizer. So we've just come through COVID, right? So I want, to, I want to compare hand sanitizer to heart sanitizer. Knowing that heart disease is the number one killer in America. People actually die from broken hearts. Sometimes, now you know we all got used to during COVID, slap on some hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer and away we go. Sometimes we think we can rub a little scripture on our hands and apply it to the other person and think we're doing the Lord's work. It may be the truth, but is it in love? I mean, I, you know, these folks that come out and I, and I, and I give them my opinion and they go wacko with the scripture, that's not loving. We need to get out of the habit of rubbing a little scripture on our hands and applying it. Because if it's not motivated by love, it's not helpful. Remember the vision here at the crossing is to see every person restored to God and to the life he created for them to live. And that's what we get to do. That's what we get to do. Remember when we relate God's way, he's responsible for the outcome. Messed up people, broken people. That's all of us who hear, believe, and obey God do great things for him. Look at the Bible. Abraham, Moses, David, Peter, Paul, Timothy, all messed up people. But they heard, they believed, and they obeyed. They were filled with power, and they witnessed. Think about this. 2,000 years ago, it was somewhere between 11 guys and 70, something like that. There are 1.3 billion Christians now. There's been some good witnessing. It needs to look like Christ. Now I'd like to have the prayer teams come up, and then we're all going to participate in our little activity. Are you excited? Listen, the Holy Spirit is very excited because this is what he knows if he can get us to relate better to each other, we'll be better with the world. And here's the truth. The world is in trouble without the church. And as I said, the Holy Spirit wants to manifest his power in the body. That's us. So I'm going to read these six things. 
And I'm going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit, is there one of these areas that maybe you need to get better in? Now, I'm not taking any pictures. I do know that about 20 minutes ago, everybody raised their hand and said that they needed to get better at their relationships. Is that still true? Is it, it, come on, let's see some hands. Okay. So as I read these things off, if that's what the Holy Spirit wants you to get better at, I just want you to stand up. I just want you to stand up. Okay? Fair enough? Okay. The R. Repent of any poor attitude that you have toward another person. Does anybody need to repent of a poor attitude? Does anybody need to express their appreciation have an attitude of gratitude for the fact that you've been forgiven? There's a whole bunch of people that disqualify themselves and they say forgiveness is for them. It's not for me because look what I've done. That is a lie. And you may be operating out of that lie. So if that's you, if you need to know that everything that you've done is under the blood of Jesus. Convinced of that, stand up. The L, learn what God has said about the situation. Sometimes I want to do the right thing and I'm clueless. And this is what God has done with me. He's given me ready, ready, ready. So I'm confronted with the situation and I don't know what to do. So I go to God and I go, what do I, what do I need to do? Well, hopefully I've been reading scripture and he puts us, if you don't, listen, <laughs> you, know, you know what God likes? It's where the word of God and the spirit of God converge. Sometimes it's just the spirit and that can be pretty loosey-goosey. Sometimes it's just the word that can be harsh when they're together. So the first ready is, how does God want to handle this? The second ready is, do I agree? Because sometimes I don't. Because this is what he will say. Reggie, I want you to go in there and repent to Debbie. And I'll go, you mean like now? <laughs> so I used to have a habit where I would hit the door and drop to my knees and crawl to her. And by the time I got there, she'd be laughing, but she knew I'd done something. <laughs> we need to repent of that. We agree and align with what God has said. His truth will set us free. T, some of you know what to do. It's important, but you haven't done it. You've been procrastinating. You've been waiting on the other person to change. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you what you need because he will, he will release the power so that you can actually reestablish what you need, okay? And then finally, embrace. For all of us control freaks, all of us control freaks, you think that if you don't do it and you don't do it your way and you don't do it whatever, that the outcome is going to stink. Here's the truth. God is responsible for the outcome. He is at work in us both to will and to do all his good pleasure and the work that he began. He's faithful. Faithful. 
to complete it. So if you carry that control thing and you'd like to get free of that, stand up, stand up. Now we're gonna have an opportunity now for a couple of things. Sometimes you need someone to agree with you about what you need help with. Sometimes we do, that's why we have these prayer teams. They will agree with you about what the truth is. And you can be free. Now I'm going to dismiss the service in a, just a minute. But before I do that, I want to remind everybody, we have Kingdom Life on Wednesday at 7 we're going to have next steps, February 26th, right after church, and you need to register and ask for child care. And we're going to start a junior high service next week during second service. It's for fifth to seventh graders in the student building. Now, I want to pray over our finances. See, here's the deal. If you'll be his disciple, if you will hear, if you will listen, and you will obey, he will bless everything that you have. Everything that you, I remember when Michael was, he was three, so that's been a long time ago. Uh, And we moved from, I was working in Manhattan, and we moved to Oklahoma City. As we were driving across country, I told the boys, guess what? We're going to be able to get clothes that nobody else has worn before. It was tight. It was tight. And it was attached to my willingness to hear what God has said and step out. Faith looks risky. So as you think about your finances, it may feel risky. But guess what? The guy who created the entire universe has said, prove me, prove me. So Father, we just want to honor you with our finances. And sometimes we know, Father, it's just, we just need to start. We need to line up with what you have said. And Father, not as a guilt thing, because you said you love a generous giver. And so, Father, taking that first step to honor you with our finances, Father, we just say we will. And, Father, for those who have been faithful, Father, continue to bless everything that they place their hands to, everything that they place their hands to. And we give you all the praise and we say thank you in Jesus' name. And all of the people said amen. Now, I'd like to give you an opportunity to come up and let somebody agree with you. And as you're going through the breezeway, grab a fat pill, that's a donut or a cookie, and talk to the life group leaders because we believe that we need to be connected in biblical community and growing in Christ. Amen? So come forward if you need prayer. Otherwise... You're dismissed. Thanks so much for listening to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. 
Keep up with everything going on at The Crossing by liking us on Facebook, following us on Instagram, or subscribing to our YouTube channel. You can visit us online at www.thecrossing.cc. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.